This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycast. You're listening to The Escape Hour with, with Stefan and Fiona. So, uh, Stefan, I have personally have never been to Central or South America. I mean, I've been to Mexico. But that's, 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 that's central. I, that is central. But that's as far as I've got. How about you? No, not been to South America either. Well, and some people are incredibly attracted to, as we know, countries, uh, you know, everyone is attracted to certain countries. Like, I've been to Japan so many times and I just love it. Um, our guest, who is almost here, he is in the elevator, he, he loves South America. Um, and said So much so that so much so he... So he's written a children's book about it. And took his family... Yeah, absolutely. From Ballarat to Bolivia. Ballarat to Bolivia. Oh, there's a song in that, isn't there? <laughs> I'm sure there is. Not for me. No. <laughs> so, uh, Ballarat uh, is uh, in, in, the, in cold Victoria and Ben has just run in the studios t- and he is now going to be toasty warm with us to tell us all about Bolivia. Wow, Ben, welcome to the studio. Thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So... Um, We've had, we have been wording you up the whole time, you know, since we've been on. So people are well and ready to hear from you. Ben, you travelled to Bolivia and you, with your family and you were so inspired by your travels that you live there and you've also written this beautiful children's book called My Book, Not Yours by Ben Sanders. It's an illustrated book, a children's book, because you, of course, are an illustrator. Yes, yeah, we, we spent three years in Bolivia which um, we've really, really enjoyed. It was, uh, it was one of those experiences that is a once-in-a-lifetime for our family, so uh, I loved it. And, of course, if you... You know, people who listen to this show are going to be avid travellers or are inspired to travel, and uh, that's one thing that I was, um, and I just thought, well, we have to do it as a family and, and see how it goes. Now, I guess the the question that we were talking about just as you rushed into the studio was that there's some people that are attracted to certain countries and just or certain uh, parts of the world. Yes. Uh, and you obviously had a love of South America. I mean, do you have any theories as to, you know, uh, obviously the opportunity was there and it's fantastic to grab that opportunity and, and that's what a great travel is about. But do you have any theories about why you were so attracted to South America? Well, I've been asked a few times and, yes, I do have a few theories. And, and one of them was that um, whenever things got a little bit frustrating for my father when I was growing up, he used to say, I'm, I'm almost ready to nick off to, to Venezuela. And he used to say that just oh, as, a, as a, a throwaway line. So he was never serious about that, but he, was, he loved the thought, I think, of living in Venezuela. Now, Bolivia isn't Venezuela, but it's in that part of the world. And I also grew up with um, Andean music uh, in the family. Um, we don't have any Andean ancestry or anything like that, but uh, I love that kind of music. We used to play it a fair bit at home. And also the history of the Incas, I, I loved when I learnt that at mm. school. And so combine those things and a few other things that I'm not probably not even conscious of, 
and I, I developed this thought that, um, gee, if there's anywhere in the world I'd like to live apart from Australia, now I want to travel everywhere, mm. but live is a different kind of kettle of fish. Uh, if there's anywhere, that would have to be Bolivia, not Peru, not... Um, Ecuador. You know, Ecuador, no, not the other, Bolivia in particular. So Bolivia, for uh, listeners that need to be reminded, is uh, in around about central South America. You've got Peru above, you've got Brazil hugging yes. it on the east, you've got uh, Chile below and to the west, and then you've got Paraguay. Yes. Now, Bolivia is probably one of the, would you say, least visited uh, from a tourism point of view? Absolutely it is, yeah. Maybe Paraguay as well, but um, Bolivia is one of the poorest uh, it has probably the least visited. There's certain areas that are becoming quite popular, um, like the massive Salt Lake um, up there in the Andes. Um, but it's still off the beaten track, really. If, if you're going to go to South America, normally people mention Argentina or Brazil or Peru. Um, but Bolivia is a little bit forgotten and we consider it to be the heart of Bolivia, but not many people get there. That's true. And not only did you travel there, but you went there with your wife and two children when yes. they were uh, youngsters. Mm. Now, uh, your wife was working there and you were working there. Um, and in both cases, you were working in social enterprises and yes. with, with people in disadvantage. Tell us about what you were doing while you were there. Well, I was, I was working on a children's curriculum, uh, just doing illustration design work for it. That's what I went for. But I realised very quickly that I didn't... I, I still had a lot of spare time. So I linked up with um, an organisation in Sucre, Bolivia, that's the city, uh, called BiblioWorks. And their whole... Uh, they're, it's an NGO that works with children, but it also works uh, in creating libraries in remote areas to get literacy out there into um, remote parts of Bolivia. Fantastic. Um, and then your wife was working for a women's organisation over there as well? Yes, she was working for um, a women's refuge. So she was... She was trained in family violence here in Australia and then she immediately, once she finished that, she immediately took that over to Bolivia and uh, she, was, she was doing that in Spanish but uh, even a lot of the women were Quechua speakers, they weren't um, Spanish speakers. So that was a real challenge for her but an, an amazingly rewarding um, thing for her to do for two and a half years. That's an incredible story but that is travel on the next level really. This Joycast is a free service brought to you by Joy 94.9. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. You're on the Escape Hour with Fiona and Stefan and our guest Ben San Sanders, illustrator, talking all things Bolivia. Yes? Ben is in the studio. In the st Thanks for racing to get here. Yes, now, no ben, problem. If someone was to, I mean, because Bolivia is not very uh, on people's radar, if someone was to say to you, I'm off to Bolivia, what are some of the things that I should really do while I'm there? What are your top tips, your recommendations? Well, there's actually a lot more to do in Bolivia than you would first think. So forget Peru for a little while and, and imagine, if you have been to Peru, imagine something even more authentic. 
So there's plenty of places that you can go that is just the real deal. So rather than being caught on a, a kind of a tourist trap highway mm. uh, that a lot of these more popular countries are on, you go to Bolivia and uh, the people you see do not dress up for you. That's the way they dress. So go to places like uh, La Paz, which is the, the capital city, or one of the t- two capital cities. It's the only only country in the world with two capital cities, which I, I love that. Now, because Stefan and I were discussing that off air some time ago. He's like, La Paz is the capital. And I said, no, Sucre. Sucre. Well done, because um, if you're in La Paz, tell the people there that it's the capital. And when you're in Sucre, which is where I lived, uh, they're a different people group. Uh, they believe that they're the capital. They so both why, are. Why is there two capitals? What's the... Well, there was going to be a civil war over it, and oh. uh, so at the time they wisely decided let's have two capital cities rather than a bud- bloodbath, which is, I think, a sensible That's thing so way to go. Good. Why don't more people, more countries think about it that way? <laughs> That's right. So I know that Sucre is a great tourist destination because yeah, the whole of the city, the inner part of the city, is Spanish colonial and it is absolutely wonderfully preserved. Uh, it's a UNESCO site, and so it every... Everywhere you look in that city is photo worthy. So, you know, it's just a wonderful place to be um, uh, just walking the streets, going to the chocolate shops. It's known for its chocolate there. Uh, going to the um, the footprints, the, the dinosaur footprints I've there. I've read about the dinosaur oh, footprints. It's amazing, actually. Most amount of footprints in one area uh, of dinosaur footprints. It's incredible, actually. And then, of course, there's a beautiful central market. Oh, the central market. We lived near that market too. It's absolute chaos. Uh, It's definitely worth a visit. But um, if you want to do your daily shopping there, (laughs) you've, you've you've got to work yourself up to it, yeah. But there are guides that can take you through the market. Is that sure. correct? Absolutely, yeah. And if you don't know the language, it's probably a good idea to do it that way. You'll learn more. So uh, all the, everyone there is uh, speaks Spanish as well as the local language? Well, no, not necessarily. Uh, the city people have been brought up with Spanish. Yeah. Uh, anyone from the country has, has, speaks Quechua, which is the ancient Inc- Incan language. And uh, there's a lot of migration from the, from the country to the city. Mm. So there's a lot of um, Quechua speaker, speakers who haven't learnt how to speak Spanish oh, interesting. yet. So, interesting. Uh, communication can be difficult and the, the culture between the city and the country there is quite different as well. So there is a bit of a culture clash. It's an interesting mix. So because you worked in remote communities uh, when you were working with street kids, is there, like, uh, what, were there some parts that you visited that could be accessible for a visitor, let's not call them a tourist, but maybe a more intrepid visitor who might want to go outside the cities and explore the, the country areas? There's, there's plenty of ways to get out there. Public transport is a perfect way. It's very cheap. It's, it's easy to get out to um, some of these market towns uh, and uh, some of them a bit more touristy than others. Uh, otherwise, you can get a taxi uh, within four hours of the city and they will take you there and it won't cost you a lot of money. A taxi? Wow. Yes. And, um, and I, I imagine that the taxi driver can become like a default guide. In a way, it, you're putting your life into this person's hands. <laughs> <laughs> it can be chaos. The taxis aren't exactly roadworthy and neither are the taxi drivers, but uh, it can be an interesting experience through the hills there. What about the roads? The, the roads. Are they roadworthy? I mean, the roads aren't roadworthy, roadworthy. no. no, no. <laughs> it's pretty treacherous. We're in... Um, 
uh, non-vegetated. It's so high up, the, the elevation's over 3,000 above sea level. There's not a lot of vegetation. So when it rains, um, cliff sides will fall down and things like that. So some places are just not accessible at certain parts of the year during the rainy season. Um, but it's worth just asking around and seeing who's willing to go where and you can just hail a cab sometimes mm. on the side of the road in the city and say, can you take me to this remote part of Bolivia? And they, <laughs> if you've got enough money, they will, they'll take you there. And hopefully home again. And hopefully home again. And just hope they're not drunk when they're doing it because ah. there's no rules about them uh, not drinking and driving. So authentic is the word that comes to mind when we're talking yes. about Bolivia yeah. and, and the fact that, you know, it's it's a, a relatively untouristed environment, which is an important thing for a lot of people. They want to go and explore and, you know, I mean, it would help if you spoke a bit of Spanish. Now, when you Definitely. went, your wife spoke Spanish and, and how about yourself? Oh, uh, look, my wife... And I learnt Spanish and our kids learnt Spanish. Now, the kids learnt really, really quick. They were amazing. We threw them into a local school and they just took off with the language. It wasn't a problem for them. Uh, My wife, she was very good. She was around people who were um, speaking Spanish all the time. All her colleagues at the refuge were speaking Spanish. And she learnt some Quechua as well because women were coming in from Quechua communities into the refuge too. So she, she was speaking all the time. Me on my computer. I was looking at Spanish. I was reading it, but I wasn't speaking it as much, except if I went out to buy something or go and speak with my Spanish-speaking friends. So I was pretty slow off the mark when it comes to the language. And uh, I think I mastered it by the end of three years. (laughs) My kids had it done in three months. So that... um from a, a design and graphic point of view, I mean, I remember my younger sister, who's an artist, went to travel through Central and South America and, uh, you know, she was in La Paz and she did the, you know, all of that fantastic hiking. She came back and created an art installation that was a, you know, a, a large-scale uh a, a rural art installation in rural Victoria as part of this big project. Wow. Um, and she was very inspired and did lots of great uh, screen prints. Now, your beautiful children's book, of course, is about a sloth and a fox. So how were you inspired and how did the three years that you spent there a, a change and, uh, well, not change, but, you know, inspire your work? I had started writing before we went <clears throat> to Bolivia. So I'd had a couple of books published, but time seems to slow down when you're in a South American culture. And I think I can say that across all of South America, even Central America as well. Uh, there seems to be a different uh, approach to time and people. And so we, even though we were working pretty hard on our projects and I was still doing freelance illustration work uh, for clients in the US and Australia and in the UK from uh, Sucre, Um, I still managed to feel like I had lots of spare time left over, bubbling over the end of the day. I didn't watch TV anymore. Uh, There was lots of new uh, stimulating and exciting things happening around us. It was a massive change in our lifestyle. And I think that inspires some creativity. And so I got to writing. My spare time was uh, writing. And so... Uh, any the kids were at a very good age too. They were fairly young still and uh, they were consuming lots of books. And so I was writing for them and the silly kind of situations that come up 
when there's a, a faux pas that you make in the language or whatever. That, that kind of inspires um, more creativity. And so I wrote this, among other books, uh, while I was over there and it just sat there for a year or so before I got back to Australia and I thought, this needs to be made into proper children's book when I get back to Australia I'll pitch it to Mm. a publisher or two and I was pretty lucky for it to be picked up and originally when I originally wrote the story it didn't involve a sloth but I think because we're in South America and we met a few sloths in the wild um, down when we went down to the Amazon uh, on a holiday that I thought, well, I have to, I have to make this character in this book a sloth. I was that was going to be my next question. Mm. Of course, was have you met a sloth? We met a few, and the, we loved them. We absolutely loved them. It's true what they say about them. They're so slow, but they look so friendly that um, the character that I'd written for the story. Uh, it lent itself to mm. being a sloth because it was a bit slow off the mark. Very friendly and very likeable, and I thought that's that's what sloths are. That sounds so beautiful. I mean, I, the book is gorgeous, and we do have it here. Joy 94.9 is on air 24 hours a day, seven days a week, but sometimes you can't always be with us when you want to. Here's the solution. Here's the solution. Listen to your favourite Joy 94.9 show anytime with our Joy podcast service. Our team of over 30 volunteers pick out the best bits from around 60 programs that Joy airs each week, made available to you for free download. To find a podcast of your favourite Joy show, search for us in the Featured Providers section within the iTunes store or find them on the Joy website, joy.org.au. Joy Podcasts. Any show, any show, anytime, joy.org.au. You're on the Escape Hour with Fiona and Stefan and our special guest, Ben Sanders, who is a children's book author and illustrator or general illustrator. And and, uh, we are discussing all things Bolivia because he has just created a beautiful new book about a sloth and uh, we're talking about his time living in Bolivia. I really appreciate you driving down from Ballarat to on this wet, wet day to tell us all about this beautiful country. Our job here at the Escape Hour is to make sure that people have good ideas about where they want to to inspire people to travel and to experiment. Now, I mean, I was reading about Bolivian food and some people might say there is no Bolivian cuisine, (laughs) but there's a lot of chilies. There's 200 different types of potato. I mean, that's taking meat and potatoes to the next level. Yes, it Run is. Run us through some Bolivian food. Okay. All, now, I'm going to generalise here, but all Bolivian food involves meat, it involves potatoes, and it involves corn. And if it doesn't have those three ingredients, it's not real Bolivian food, according to Bolivians. So uh, they don't understand vegetarianism at all. So if you say you're a vegetarian and you're going to Bolivia and, and you've got a local cooking for you, they'll say, well, just give you chicken then. Yes. Because the, the word in Spanish for meat does not include chicken. So, oh. right. So, so they think, oh, vegetarians are people who only eat chicken. So that's something to look out for. Good tip. But uh, the chilies. Now, it's true there are a lot of chilies. So why do Bolivians only use one? For everything. <laughs> well, in the region we were in, ahi was the the um, the spice of choice and they will put it on absolutely everything. Every restaurant you go to, there'll be a little pot on the table 
It'll have this red stuff in it and it's actually really delicious. But after you've been there three years, you think, just put a different spice on there. That would be great. But if you're going to visit, you've got to try it. It's really good. They'll put it on pastries. They'll put it on your vegetables or meats or whatever. Fantastic stuff. And one of the favourite things that um, I enjoyed that had lots of ahi was um, that uh, falso canejo, it's called, it was this fal- fake rabbit, it's called, but it's a chicken dish. This is, this is the confusion you get when... when this is gold. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a chicken dish. There's no rabbit involved in it. It's just a, it's a tricky name to say it's not rabbit, but it's something else. Um, and it's, it's got beautiful flavours. Now... Because of most of Bolivia or a fair chunk of Bolivia and the places that you would go to in Bolivia are a long way above, um, you know, some pretty highly elevated um, altitudes, uh, your taste buds don't work as well there. Mm. So they're less effective. So um, the chilies help to um, bring a bit of flavour back. I did not know that about your, uh, your taste buds. So one of the things that I've read, because, you know, La Paz is at about 3,800 metres and then when yes. you come down to uh, su- Sucre, Sucre... It's about 2,900, around 3,000. It's, it's quite a relief. Uh, yes. from the altitude even though you're already um, even though you're already actually quite high that's right now uh, Bolivia what a topic what a we, we, we've stormed our way through it and I, I think we're I actually think we at the need, end of the show yes we are and probably need a little bit more time thanks for listening to a Joycast from Joy 94.9 thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation Joy Help us keep joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.